You are now tuned in to episode 170 of the Midwest Angler Podcast. Scott Sturman, Matt Deitch, what's happening? Just chilling. Just chilling. Did you have a good Mother's Day? Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, we, uh, it wasn't bad, it wasn't bad. I, uh, uh, we, uh, did the wife's family for lunch, uh, my family for supper, and, uh, I kind of forgot about halfway through the lunch that we were going out for a big supper also. Oh, man. And, uh. I mean, you, you know how pants. well you know how I can kind of <laughs> let things get away, uh, get away from it, uh, you know, in that department, and yeah, whatever. Uh, taco in a bags for Ooh. lunch. And I, I <laughs> let's just say I housed more than two of them. <laughs> and they full, full size Dorito bags. No, the family yeah, size. Yeah, should have. <laughs> so they actually found some bags. I don't know if these are at Costco or what, but uh, um, like I mean, they're designed for, for it, taco yeah. in a bag. It's like you know yep. they're nice and wide, and, and you see uh, the schools get those and everything. Oh really? Yep. Okay. Oh, lucky dogs. That, that was <laughs> I, it was it was my rookie year, but doing doing You're definitely getting real seconds. T- yeah, I I just when I saw it, it was like wow. And and we had Doritos and Fritos, and so I did two Doritos. You a, well, you got to. I did two Doritos, and I was like, wow, that was good. And then I Better went, try well, you know, you yeah, right. I mean, you just, you got to know what, uh, what the options are. It's kind of like ice cream, you know, yep. you don't just go in there, get vanilla and walk out. I mean, <laughs> you got to, you know, sample what else is sample, what else is there. But, uh, uh, first off, uh, the shoreline cleanup, uh, we're getting some more, uh, submissions with that. Um, we, we mentioned it, uh, I don't know if we even did mention it last week, but, uh, uh, we've mentioned it the the weeks before that uh, the Midwest Angler Shoreline cleanup. Uh, you can get on our Facebook page for details. Um, basically, what we're asking uh, anyone to do is just get out and uh, uh, you know walk walk along the shoreline anywhere you know river, lake, private pond. You know I don't care. Find a mud puddle if there's trash by it. You know pick, pick it, up. it up and uh, uh, just send a picture of the trash you picked up uh, in a bag. Uh, we'll uh, get you entered to win uh, uh, one of three $100 gift cards to uh, Dakota Angler in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, they do have an online store, so uh, even if you don't make it to Sioux Falls, no big deal. Uh, they've got plenty of stuff online that uh, that you can find. $100 worth of tackle? Hell yeah. Like, I mean, who, do, who doesn't want $100 Ooh, worth exactly of tackle? If you right. don't, pass it back to us. Hell, Are I'll you? go buy $100 worth of tackle yeah, with your card. That's exactly right. I mean, we also got... A few other things added in for the prize package yep, from Cold got, Snap. Yep, we got uh, uh, some toothpicks and some a couple of uh, the T2 um, holders now that they brand have. new yep. T2 holders or tamers. I think they're called T2 tamers. I, think I you're believe right. so. Thank you. So, you're right. so uh, yeah, no, uh, plenty, plenty to go around. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to lie to you. We there's been a lot of garbage picked up. Yeah, but uh, I mean for for. $300 worth of gift cards being given out uh, and a bunch of toothpicks and, and tamers and whatnot. Uh, I don't know. I feel like there should be more. You, you get a lot of people that are saying like, yeah, man, that's, that, awesome. that's awesome. And uh, But we're not getting as many pictures. Yeah, yeah. Get, the, get know, out there. Yeah, I mean, we, with the wind the way it's been, you can probably go back to the same spot somebody else has picked up a couple days later and pick it up again because right. there always seems to be trash there. Yep, that's exactly right. So, uh I don't know. Get out there. Uh, we'll we'll keep this open for a while yet. Uh, maybe another week or two. And uh, um, well, for sure another now, week. Now, yeah. some of you guys, I know some of you listen out there, and you know who you are. Don't just take a picture of you bringing the trash out that the wife told you. Hey, bring the trash out to the curb. You can't just hold up the bag. Right. And be that, like that's this is what. 
No, we're not falling for it. We're not falling for it. We're, we are going to extend it a little while. Heck, there's places up in, uh, uh, you know, northern Minnesota that that still got a little bit of ice, uh, you know, on some of the lakes. And, and starting uh, to see dirt. So, yeah, yeah. So we'll uh, we'll give them a little bit more uh, uh, time to to get out there. Hoping, I don't know, for for some people, uh, you know literally 10 days ago was still winter so yeah. uh, you know it's not much of a spring shoreline cleanup if uh, they've never really had spring we're going uh, right from uh, winter to to sprummer yeah we uh, went we went right from the heater to the air conditioner yeah, yeah, exactly exactly that's <laughs> iowa that's everywhere but uh, yeah um today we've got an awesome guest uh, jason durham uh owner of go fish guide service uh jason's from uh up northern minnesota Park Rapids, I believe, um, been guiding for a long time, uh, and uh, just you know, kind of one of those dudes. Uh, when when you think of a guide in Minnesota, you know, Jason Durham is one of those guys that you think about. And and with it being Minnesota opener this week, uh, me and yeah. Matt were kind of kicking around. You know, man, you know, should we get him? Should we get that? And uh, all of a sudden, I you know, I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw a post from Durham, and I was like, now. That's, that's the one. one. Yeah, that's I the one. Try to get him. Yep. So I reached out to him, and uh, he was able to do it. Uh, so yeah, we're going to chat with Jason today. And Jason Durham is our guest today. Uh, Jason runs Go Fish Guide Service up in the Park Rapids area. Jason, how you doing? I'm really good, primarily because today it was sunny, it was warm, the wind didn't blow. And the lakes are ice free, so things are looking positive. <laughs> no, no wind. That's a, that's a change. It, it, you know, there's been a shift recently, and I feel like fifty mile per hour wind is the new thirty. Yeah, it is. I mentioned somebody at, yesterday at school. I said, you know, twenty mile an hour isn't too bad today. You know, twenty mile <laughs> yeah. an hour wind, I'll take it. Yeah, pretty nice. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I, I just remember as a kid that. You know, we would have periodic windy days and whatnot, but it always seemed like it was calm in the morning and it was calm in the evening that the wind would lay down at those two points. And now it just seems like it blows all night long. And I'm up in northern Minnesota, so we've got a ton of trees here. We've got we've got items to to slow down the wind and it's still windy. Yeah. They they said scientists are actually trying to figure out what the world's going on because it is so much windier down here. I guess that they that the article I read was out of Nebraska, and we all just know Nebraska sucks, so that's what's going on there. But. No, they must blow. They're blowing all their air up to here, oh, yeah, so yeah, that's okay. what it is. That's what it is. But even just a shift in you know um, wind direction and everything, it, it it's changing. It's definitely different. You know, within the last decade, we've seen changes in those extremes of you know hot hot stretches, or even for us, it's it's ice out, and one year we have the earliest ice out we've ever seen and we're you know almost six weeks ahead of what would be deemed normal and then the next year we might have the latest ice out you've ever seen and it's the opposite so really our spring is disappearing um you know those periods even this year we ice fished really late and i'm so blessed because number one i've got so many lakes within close proximity uh, to give you an idea within a 10 mile radius of where i'm sitting right now I have almost 100 lakes within wow. 10 miles. Within a 25-mile radius, there's 400 lakes. So just imagine the diversity in, in all of these individual bodies of water that you can access. And, you know, this spring, you know, it was just a couple weeks ago 
what, 10 days ago that we were out on snowmobiles out on the ice. <laughs> and now we are ice free and people are running around in their boats and uh, docks are in and we're looking at the Minnesota fishing opener for walleye and Northern Pike coming up this Saturday. Um, but I'm, I'm so blessed too with the people that I get to fish with, you know, and, and one person that I, I've always looked up to, you know, has always been a mentor. And now, you know, I get to fish alongside is Dave Gens, the, the godfather of, of ice fishing, who has done so much for the sport. And he's got a cabin not too far from here. So we get to spend a considerable amount of time on the ice. And we both agreed that even in this late ice period, what should have been what we would consider the late ice period by the calendar uh, in terms of fish behavior and location was not the late ice period. We had very few days where there was water seeping down through the holes and making the holes bigger. Um, you know, a lot of days that we were out, we were fishing much, much deeper than we typically would for that time of year. We were catching panfish out in, you know, like 24 to 26 feet of water when we should be finding them right underneath the ice in six to eight feet. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes with the angling and, and all this change that we're seeing with the environment, you really have to adapt and not necessarily fish what you're used to. Yeah, absolutely. You're not guaranteed to go out and fish a memory and be successful doing it. But, no. the, but that says a lot about you guys as anglers also, because, uh, you know, like you said, fishing memories, there's a lot of people that were up there probably fishing in six foot of water because that's where they should be. Well, you guys that's, obviously went out deeper and were able to find them. That's absolutely right. And, um, you know, we, and it wasn't that we were only fishing that deeper water. We would go in and we would, we would check these traditional areas and there were fish there, but there wasn't the quality. There wasn't the size uh, that we were looking for. Somebody could go there that's fished there in the past. And what they would probably think is, you know what? There's been a lot of anglers on this lake over the years. They've kept all of these big sunfish and that size structure is simply changing. Yet when we change our locale and fish a different area of the lake that we don't usually fish that time of year and find these bigger fish, we know that that is not true. So, you know, it, it, the other thing that we, we discussed about it was that we typically don't catch fish in 24 to 26 feet of water that time of year because we don't fish it right because we're right, up in yeah. that six to eight feet of water and fish are there so why would we go out into that deeper water it wouldn't make any sense but you know it's it's very possible that you could have populations of those fish in both areas simultaneously just using two different types of structure and feeding on you know two different types of forage right well and, and with the electronics today you know, before you, you wouldn't have just gone out to 28 foot of water, dropped your Vexlar down and, and crossed your fingers. But now with, you know, forward facing sonar, you can go out there and scan around and it's like, holy smokes, there are fish out here. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of an interesting thing too. Um, you know, I think the advances in technology, they're good and bad. And, oh, and right, I think everybody, right. everybody knows that, but, um, you know, it, it really was before that, the, the the run and gun approach was what everybody was preaching. You drill a lot of holes and even look at the advancements in ice augers that people were wanted, you know, augers with extra batteries because they're going to drill so many holes and they, they don't want to go with a, a very large bit because it can drain the battery that much faster. And so you're drilling hundreds of holes per day and dropping your deucer and looking, you know, maybe dropping your bait quickly, seeing if anything comes and moving to the next hole. Now with the forward-facing sonar, you can see, but it is not 
just this magic pill. It's not, you can't just drop it down and scan around and go, they're here, they're not. You still have to drill multiple holes. Right. And the other thing is that, that forward-facing sonar has taught us is, number one, how fast those fish move. Number two, how far they move very, very quickly. And number three, the effect that we have on top of the ice in making those fish, you know, readjust and, and move into different areas. You know, you're looking at pulling up a, on a hole with a snowmobile or a truck or a four-wheeler and how those three differ, or even walking on the ice with cleats on them. And, you know, a lot of this we're doing when there was still two feet of ice and it still has an impact. So there's a point where you still have to drop that line down and wait. Oh, yeah, and, absolutely. And especially for those basin fish that it's almost like you have to wait for them to circle around and come back. And you can always have your, you know, forward-facing sonar down. But we're also not using that while we're fishing. We're going with our Vexilars, and that is our primary sonar. Right. We, yeah. we might oh, yeah. scan around, and it's so funny because, you know, you've got a Vexilar that's, you know, a handful of $100. Or you could even find one at a garage sale for 150 bucks, right? And the thing I love about it, you've got a piece of electronics that the, the concept of it is over 60 years old. You can have one of the units that is 60 years old. And you can still get it serviced. You can still get parts for it. Think about this logically. What item in your home, electronically, do you have that's over 10 years old that you can still get parts for? <laughs> Good there's, luck. there's nothing. Yeah, no. Two years old. <laughs> Two years yeah. old. So it, it's pretty amazing. And then we've got, you know, these, these forward-facing sonar units that are, you know, 3000 or more dollars. And we're using those just very briefly, very briefly to scan around. And there's times where we don't see the fish and we're still going back to the Bexlar immediately. And, you know, let's pop these holes. Let's find those fish. And sometimes let's wait. Yep, let's just yeah. give it a little bit of time and see if those fish come back. Because ultimately with ice fishing, even though we have adopted the run and gun, stay mobile on the ice, constantly moving approach, ultimately you still need that fish to approach your bait no matter what. Yeah, I mean, I think we all have, uh, you know, experienced that before where we're out there fishing and you get a bunch of guys that are running around and trying to find the fish or stay on top of them, as they say, and you come back to some guy that's been sitting there and it's just like, well, no, I'm catching them. You know, they, they come through in schools and you catch yeah. them. So, yeah, it's still something you need to do. For sure. And, you know, over the years, I'm constantly learning. You know, I'm I'm a teacher I don't want to say a teacher by trade because I started fishing much earlier in life than I started <laughs> teaching. I started guiding much earlier in life than I started teaching. And um, I'm still, I'm a lifelong learner. And that's what every angler really should be. You never know it all. Yeah. And, and there's never, there's no always or never with fishing. There's, there's nothing that you can say that you go, oh, the fish always do this or they never do this. Because once you make that statement, you're going to be proven wrong. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, I love, you know, th this this late ice period while I was fishing alongside Dave Gens. You know, he is such uh, just uh, absolute. I mean, his brain at, at seventy three years old is constantly churning out new concepts, ideas, innovation, constantly. And if you listen to him long enough, you're going to find just these gems just these gems that he drops all the time. And as we're fishing together, he tells me, he says, you know, 
catching fish is easy. Being there at the right time when they're feeding, that's the challenge. Being in the right place at the right time when they're feeding, that's the challenge. And that totally sums up fishing, whether it's ice fishing or open water. Uh, as a fishing guide, I learn a ton about fish behavior and prime periods to fish by staying out on the water a long time. A lot of people get these short windows where they can get out and, and they say, okay, this weekend we're going to take a family trip and we're going to go here and they, they go on a, a short vacation, but they've got other things to do. They want to stop at this restaurant. They got to stop over at the, you know, a storybook land or whatever it is that they're going to with the family. And, you know, honestly, they get out fishing for a few hours here, a few hours there. When you spend 16 hours straight on the water, you see these changes in behavior. You see how those fish move uh, on, on certain pieces of structure, totally move areas. And you can determine, you know, when your best bite is going to be as you consistently, uh, you know, take note of this. Like last summer, for instance, um, you know, the guide trips that I do, I do a lot of half day trips. And though there are people that come and they do a full eight hour day, a lot of people, for them, four hours is enough. And they say, we've, we're good, we've got enough fish, uh, we're ready to go golf or whatever it is. Uh, but I do three half-day trips every day in the summer. So I'm out from, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning until 10 o'clock at night. And typically people book the morning or the evening. We want to go out in the morning, you know, right after the sun comes up because the fish are going to be active and there's a good morning bite. Or we want to go out in the evening. You know, that's a prime time for walleye, right when that sun's hitting the trees or for crappie. Well, when those dates get booked, when those periods get booked, people call and they say, well, we want these dates. Well, all I've got open is afternoons. And they'll say, does anybody ever catch fish in the afternoon? That was the best period all summer long. Mm -hmm. Really, The time when everybody thinks those fish aren't going to bite. It's same for hunters. You know, how many big bucks are shot while somebody is, leaving the stand to go get lunch or coming back to the stand from lunch. Exactly. Yeah. You 10 know, to 2. 10 to 2. Absolutely. So, you know, don't don't rely necessarily upon that that old adage of it has to be early or late. Take advantage of any time that you can get out and you know, my dad is a big believer in the salooner tables. And I remember the one day that he called me up and I had, I had guided all day and he says uh well, uh, did you catch any fish today on your guide trip? And I said, yeah, we did really, really well. And he says, well, what time did you go? And I said, well, we were out from, you know, eight to three. And he said, or from seven to three. And he says, well, you would have been, you would have done better if you were out from four to six. <laughs> and I said, well, what do you mean? And he says, well, the slitter tables, there was a major feeding period there. I said, Dad, you don't understand. We couldn't have caught more fish than we caught. <laughs> so, you know, even though those salooner tables, we, we like to get excited about them. And we go, oh, there's this peak feeding period. But if you're not around fish, it doesn't matter. Right. No, yeah. <laughs> if yeah. you're fishing somewhere where the fish aren't, it doesn't matter what the moon phase is or the salooner tables say or the time of day because you're not going to catch anything. Yep, no doubt about that. Um, Jason, I read on your website that, that you started guiding at 15 years old. How, how did, how did that happen? <laughs> That's a really great question. And, you know, you think about life and how every little thing that happens influences the future. And, and that was definitely the case for me. I was working in my uncle's bait shop in this tiny town 
called Nevis, Nevis, Minnesota, which is population 360. And uh, th that, that's where I grew up. And that's actually where I teach now. My classroom is two blocks from my childhood home, but my uncle owned a gas station slash bait shop. And we only really had one guide in the area. And a gentleman had stopped in looking for a fishing guide. And, and we called up this local guide. He was booked. So I said, well, what lake are you fishing on? And he said, well, we're going to Lake Beltane. Well, that's the lake I grew up on. So I got out a map, you know, <laughs> at that time, the old plastic DNR maps that didn't have a lot of detail, but could get you in the right area. And I marked some spots for him and we went up and down the aisles and I showed him, you know, use this to catch, you know, walleyes, use this to catch bass. And finally he turned to me and he said, well, why don't you just guide me? And I said, well, I'm not a fishing guide. And he said, well, I'll pay you $35 for a half day. Well, at the time, I think I was making $3.75 an hour at minimum wage. So this sounded like a good idea. Right. You know, very, oh, yeah. very, very lucrative to a 15-year-old to a kid. And so I took him on the trip, and it went just great. Uh, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't launch the boat because I didn't have a driver's license. <laughs> so uh, my dad, you know, and, and this is the way it went from then on. My dad would launch the boat. Um, with me before he went to work at the postal service. And then he would, you know, pick me up at the axis at the end of the day when he was done. But, you know, following that trip, my parents have been such great supporters of, of, you know, my endeavors with fishing because they helped me research what it took to start a small business. And, um, you know, everything went from there, even, you know, just having a boat, having a boat to guide in. And in those early days, it wasn't anything ultra fancy it wasn't these hundred thousand dollar boats that you see now it was a 14 foot boat with a 35 horse motor and a and a 35 pound thrust trolling motor which at the time was kind of the standard yeah you know you had a 12 volt trolling motor you always brought an extra battery to get through the day and um you know i have a lot of really great memories from the start using something something like that and before that as a kid you know we had we had a rowboat we had a wooden a aluminum boat with wooden seats. That was the first boat I ever fished a tournament in with my dad when I was 12. We <laughs> no rented, way. we rented an eight horse motor from my uncle. We had a five gallon bucket for a live well, you know, no electronics or anything on my very first cast of the tournament. And this was a multi-species event. I caught a six pound Northern, which was a really good fish for the tournament. And at that time he was a volunteer fire department, uh, uh, firefighter and, and uh, EMT. And so he radioed in to the waymaster, who was also a firefighter, and they had these, you know, emergency radios. And he says, "We got the first wayfish in the boat." <laughs> he was so excited, first cast, and I was too. That was the only fish we caught in eight hours. So it was a good lesson in humility too. But uh, I still fish tournaments with my dad and and my parents. My mom grew up at a resort here in the area in Nevis, and you know they've always just. You know, fishing has been a, a big thing for our family. And as I progressed throughout life doing various things with fishing, they've always been incredibly proud and supportive of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it definitely takes that support crew. Now, you mentioned that he'd drop you off with the boat at, you know, at the lake and he'd go to work. I mean, you're out there now for the day in the boat while he's at work. You got to figure out how to catch fish. Otherwise, it's a long, boring day just sitting in a boat out in the middle of the lake. Yeah, you know, not only that, probably what was more important is it was baptism by fire in terms of 
any type of problem that would come up. Yeah. You yeah. know, as a, as a young teenager, we didn't, I didn't have all of that experience with my dad of using a trolling motor, for instance, or battery issues or anything like that. So, you know, you're, you get an airlock in your live well pump. You, you just have to figure out what to do. And that's where, you know, today kids are so fortunate with the internet. Yeah. You know, yeah, oh, yeah. What, a gr- what a great resource to have access to any video you want at any time about anything. You know, I use it too. You know, like I said, I'm a lifelong learner. I had an issue with the Baumont trolley motor in Minkota Altera where it wouldn't stow. And I pull up the video on YouTube and in, you know, 30 seconds, I fixed it. Yep. So, uh, you know, having that as a resource is huge. And, and even, you know, peers, whether, whether you're a tournament angler or you're a, a high school kid that, that's able to join one of these high school fishing teams, what you learn from others is absolutely unbelievable. And it, it flattens that learning curve so quickly compared to trying to figure out everything on your own. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned earlier your day job. You kind of have an interesting day day job that, you know, <laughs> I mean, I can appreciate a little bit here. I, I mean, was going to say, Matt, <laughs> Matt's an elementary teacher too. Yeah, so well, not, so got... not at the capacity. Is he? He, he's got to deal with the, the little ones all day long. I, I just got to have them at the end of the day. So I kind of get the whole age group. But you, you are a kindergarten teacher, correct? I do. I, I teach kindergarten, and I've done that for 21 years now. In my homeschool district, you know, where I grew up and graduated from, I've got a lot of pride teaching there and I'm honored to be in that district. It's, it's very, very unique. So as I mentioned before, our school is, or our town is 360 people. Well, our school has over 600 kids in it. And we have a number of small towns that are within close proximity, but they all have their own schools. We have one of the largest uh, ratios of open enrolled students in the state of Minnesota. And it's just because we've got, you know, great programming, just about anything that you look at, it's absolutely unbelievable. You know, we, this last year we went to the state in basketball for boys and girls and football. And I mean, it just, you can go down the list, but it's not just academics. I mean, we have kids going to nationals for FFA and this year for their sales team, you would think they would be, you know, selling agriculture, livestock, uh, you know, in these competitions, the, the challenge this year is selling Rapalas. Really? That wasn't put together from our school. But think about this. You've got an FFA team that these high school kids need to learn how to sell Rapalas. Who do they come to? Me as <laughs> yep. a resource. How yep. great of a fit is that? So they're going to nationals uh, for their sales team. Um, our robotics team is unbelievable. We're not, we're not ranked in the state. We're not ranked national, nationally. We're ranked in the world. Wow. And our, our two high school coaches, who are husband and wife, actually just got inducted into the Robotics Hall of Fame this last week. So you look at you know our staff that we have, our students, we have a, a high level of poverty. And if you look at statistics, these kids are not supposed to succeed. You know, you can look at any study that's been done. Well, there was a study done throughout the state of Minnesota a few years ago. And we are one of seven schools in the state that defy the odds. Really? So even though our, our school has a high level of poverty, our kids are incredibly successful. And people ask all the time, well, what's the formula? What's, you know, what is, how do you do that? I don't know. There's probably a thousand different things that we do and they all connect and, and intersect. 
and that was that's what makes my school great so yeah hanging out with five and six year olds it's not for everybody but for me i love it and i've got unending patience yeah i mean you have to you have to be with five and six year olds all day you have to to be a fishing guide so that's just the way i'm wired and and i'm glad i i couldn't do high school no nah. uh, that it would drive me crazy i i didn't have kids I can't do adults. I can't do kids. I can't. I can't do nobody. I've done high school and I've done elementary, and elementary is definitely the place to be because they're excited every single time. I can make them run for thirty minutes straight, and they're excited to come back the next time. The high schoolers, who they're tough. Yeah, but I do enjoy seeing these kids as they progress through the school. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I have kids that stop by my classroom all the time, especially to talk about fishing even in the winter uh, you know all all loan out gear if a kid wants to come by and pick up a vexlar on a friday and use it for the weekend absolutely uh rods or reels or baits or anything i'll give them my secret fishing spots just to make sure that they have a good time and catch some fish so and and now that it's spring you know this week uh is the lead up to, to the fishing opener so you know next week we have what we call fish week in my classroom and everything is centered around fishing whether that's our reading or our writing or our math or science it's all centered around fishing because if you grow up here even if your family doesn't fish a lot you have connection to it you have to oh for sure for sure do do you do you ever have uh do you ever have any dads uh send their kids in for intel (laughs) yes yes Yes, i do and and do you call them on it (laughs) no I, I've said this from the very beginning, from my very start, is that I'm an open book for anybody. That I, I want people to have the same experience that I get every day. I want them to feel that joy and excitement. So when I first started guiding, my idea was that people could hire me to, to take them fishing and guide them, but that the ultimate goal was that they wouldn't need me. That they would get to the point that they'd be so confident in their angling that they wouldn't have to hire me anymore. Now, that sounds like a horrible business plan, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but but it, it worked because people enjoyed the trip so much they didn't want to give that up. It became tradition. Yeah. And you know, now things have changed a lot in terms of my guide service. You know, now the boat that I run is a, a 2250 Crestliner Authority, which is really a, a boat designed for Great Lakes salmon fishing. And, and all of our lakes are under 2,500 acres. So, <laughs> so you have this massive ship that goes out there, but it's got space for a lot of people. And so when I have families that come and they want to take, you know, five kids and an adult, it's no problem whatsoever. But that becomes tradition for them. In fact, I've, I've got a great story for you from last year. And it, you know, I'm, I'm 45 years old now. So this is actually my 30th anniversary of guiding this year. So I'm super excited about it. 30 years of guiding. But That's I awesome. Feel, I, thank you. I feel age creeping up on me a little bit. You know, it, it used to be that I, I could go for a 20 or 30 mile bike ride and the next day I'd go, you know, I can feel it a little bit. I'm a little sore. Now I might wake up in the morning and go, I'm sore. I must have slept wrong. <laughs> you, know, you, you can't explain this. So anyway, and I'm, I'm losing my hair, you know, just these these regular things that are happening that psychologically for me are a little bit tough. Well, anyway, I had this family out fishing on, on a local lake, Big Stony Lake, last year. And there were two adults. They were brother and sister. And there were three kids on board, too. And the oldest girl was in fifth grade. 
Well, anyway, towards the end of the trip, I'll actually clean fish right in the boat. I've got the space for it and everything in this, you know, rear bait well that's the perfect height. And I just tell everybody, you know, you're in charge now. You're in charge of baiting hooks. You're in charge of netting fish. But then they get to fish while they're on vacation instead of standing there watching me fillet fish at the dock. Yeah. So it's a win-win. Well, anyway, this fifth grade girl up in the bow of the boat gets a big fish on. And so the dad is standing right there with the net, and she gets so excited that the fish comes to the surface and she tries to lift it up out of the water, even though he's there with the net. And so the fish breaks the line. I see this massive splash, but I don't see the fish. And so I asked the dad, I said, did you see it? He goes, I did, but I don't know what it was. He goes, we fish one day a year and it's with you. So I could tell that this girl was disappointed. And I, I was trying to console her and I said, I have this idea, this vision that, that when I die, and go to heaven, that I can ask God anything, and it'll be answered. Like I can say, what was that fish that that girl had on on Big Stony Lake that day? Th that day, and they'll tell me, oh, it was a four point one two pound smallmouth bass. Or I can say, well, what is the biggest fish in Big Stony Lake? And they'll tell me, oh, it's a twenty one pound northern. Or I can say, when I was younger, who were the girls that had crushes on me that I didn't know about? And the girl, without <laughs> missing a beat, turns to me and she goes. Do you really think there were any? <laughs> <laughs> man, shoot, man, stuck me right in the chest. And right. I said, "Well, I used to think that." Right. <laughs> I guess not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> oh, but man. you know the stories—the stories that have accumulated over the years from both guiding and from the kindergarten classroom are hundreds and hundreds. So when I first started guiding at fifteen, sometimes it was, you know, on a on a full day, for instance, it might be a little bit tricky to hold conversation the entire time. And not everybody wants that when they go out on the water. Some people just want quiet. Uh, but now I don't stop talking in the boat. I'll tell stories for, you know, eight hours straight. And then I guide the next day, the same group for eight hours straight. And we haven't repeated any stories and I could go for weeks. And uh, yeah, it's, I'm sure there's it, at my age, there's probably stories I've forgotten by now. Well, I've, I'm I'm sure when you know when you spend as many days on the water, you know that what what was a highlight of one week isn't a highlight of the year, and and yeah, you just kind of just kind of forget about that stuff. But it's always nice when you have a group that comes out that you've taken for so many years, and and then it comes back to you, right? Oh, yeah, and yeah. and they remind you of it. You go, oh man, I forgot about that. That was great. And then you retell the story. It's kind of like going to deer camp. You know, every year you go to deer camp and the stories just start coming out from years past. And some of those stories are told every single year. And it's the same thing in my boat. It, like I said, it becomes tradition. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so blessed. Uh, one question that comes up almost, almost every day is, have you ever had a jerk in the boat? And I can tell you honestly, in 30 years, never once. Really? And I think, I think part of that is just, uh, because of my personality that I'm not high strung. If somebody lost a trophy fish at the side of the boat, I'm not going to come unglued and start screaming at them. What, what would be the advantage to that? Exactly. Right. You know, yeah. I don't need that fish personally. The person's probably more upset than I am. And in reality, if we have a trophy and we see it, that's a memory that's going to live forever. Yeah. Yep. That's that's what you think about when you fall asleep at night. 
That's what drives you to go back fishing the next day. Exactly. And and you get to tell a story of how much bigger it was. Oh, yeah, it gets you. bigger every time oh, you tell it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, now, Jason, uh, uh, we, we kind of touched on it earlier, but this coming, uh, what is it, Saturday at or yep. Friday night at midnight is opener. Yep. Uh, you know, Matt actually grew up in a small town in Minnesota, but for me down here in Iowa – you know, opener doesn't mean anything to me. You know, we, me, me and my brother and some buddies, we kind of, uh, we kind of tried to make some traditions with, with goose hunting opener through the years and, you know, uh, life changed and, and whatever. But in the state of Minnesota, fishing opener is like, I mean, that, that's as big as the Super Bowl. It's as big as Christmas Gro- growing up in Minnesota and, and experiencing that fishing opener. What was that like for you? Oh, it was unbelievable. It was, it was almost like the night before a fishing tournament. You were just so excited to go. And, uh, you know, still, I had a buddy, you mentioned the Super Bowl. I had a buddy that texted this week to myself and my best friend, who's a guide with me. And he said, well, boys, it's Super Bowl week. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there is a lot of excitement that surrounds it. Um, you know, the whole going out at midnight thing. I used to do that as a kid. Uh, I've, I've discovered a few things. One is that, um, at my age, it ruins the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) And number two, you know, I've never done so well that I went, gosh, that was worth, you know, sleeping in for most of the next day. You know, a lot of those fish, our lakes are really, really clear. So you would think low light periods would be just ideal, but in reality, we catch so many fish in the middle of the day. Um, so especially this time of year, when you've got walleyes that are post spawn and you've got shiner minnows that are up in the shallows that are, are spawning, you've got all that forage, you know, up on these shallow gravel shelves and anywhere there's current coming in that those fish don't care about daylight as much. They, they're, they're not as light sensitive as they would be later in the year. They just want to eat. Mm-hmm. So you got to capitalize on that and make sure that you're raring to go all the time. Now, now up there in Minnesota, you know, you, you always hear stories from deer camp. You know, you mentioned it just a little bit ago. I mean, are there fish camps up there for fish opener? I mean, is there guys that all get together, you know, the night before opener and, and do that go out at midnight? Or, or is it not as big as, as maybe what I'm thinking in my head? No, absolutely. There are, there are traditions that surround it. I wouldn't say it's as big as deer camp. Okay. Um, but, but there are people that definitely set their calendar and it might not be right to opener it might be you know memorial day weekend or whatever it is but the the, you know the the whole guys weekend or girls weekend and that's what we're seeing a lot more of is females taking part in the sport um independently you know where it's not like the families going out where all of a sudden you've got this group of women that are really into fishing and they've they've rented a cabin in the area because they don't want their husbands with they want to have that experience with their friends. And, um, you know, what has really exploded around here are just like most places where there's water vacation rental by owners. Right. And, yeah. you know, what a, what a great opportunity that, you know, you can have a secluded place, not having to share it with an entire resort, but we have a ton of resorts here too, that are wonderful. I mean, if you want the traditional fishing resort, we've got it. If you want, all of the family programming, the sandcastle building contest on a Wednesday, and the, you know, arts and crafts and family bingo and all that stuff. We've got something that suits your needs here because with all of those lakes within close proximity, there is a uh, 
equal number of resorts to accommodate guests. Now, with the late ice ice out up there this year, is it going to change what the opener is going to look like like for you? Like, are you going to be utilizing different patterns than like compared to last year when it was such an early ice out and the fish are doing something different when the opener comes around? You know, we all make our predictions about what it's going to be like, but you truly don't know until you go. And, and I say that, I preach that all the time, that you don't know what the fish are going to do until you get there. I'll give you a really good example of that. A few years ago, uh, we had a really awful storm that came through. It was golf ball-sized hail, uh, 65 mile an hour wind, straight line winds all night long, thunder, lightning, pouring rain, the whole deal. Did this all night long. We had to have insurance adjusters come from outside of the area for homes and vehicles and everything. Well, the very next morning, I've got a guide trip, husband, wife, and their two kids. And as we're idling out and I'm chit-chatting with them, the husband stops me mid-sentence and says, you know, with that storm last night, we're not going to catch anything, are we? And I said, well, if I was going to make a prediction, I'd say it's going to be slow, but you never know what's going to happen until you actually go fishing. We went through every leech, minnow, and night crawler that we brought with that day. It was the best day of fishing all summer long. So you can't really just go, oh, the fish did this because of this. Yeah. So, like, for instance, last year on the opener, uh, we did well. I had a group of guys from, from Iowa that have a tradition of coming up here, you know, during that time frame. And we did very well walleye fishing, um, you know, going into the day my thought was we're going to be pitching jigs up shallow with shiners uh the only way we could get bites was to actually live bait rig the shiners and long line them but in a little bit deeper water in 14 feet of water where on a typical year you're probably up in like six to eight feet of water so you know this year what i'm probably going to start out by doing is throwing some swim baits you know, like uh, Northland Mimic Minnows. There's a lot of different paddle tails out there. Mm-hmm. We'll do some of that, even some hard baits, and, and cover a lot of water in those shallow areas. Um, I've got a husband and wife from Iowa who are coming up. And, uh, yeah, I think we'll have a great time. The weather looks good. You know, comparing that to years past when we've had late ice out, we've had a really nice week. We've had a week that, uh, you know, the, the sun's been shining, which is huge. Yeah. in terms of warming up those lakes. You could have 70 degrees in clouds. That's very different than 70 degrees in sun. So the weather looks consistent. I think we're going to have a stellar opener. If I was going to make a prediction, I would say there's going to be quite a few big fish caught, big females. Um, and hopefully the anglers that catch them, you know, understand that, you know, that fish is a really great specimen to put back and let it reproduce and live its life. Um, you know, I, I was talking with another guide not so long ago and we were talking about stocking and how a lot of these lakes are stocked you know these small lakes around here there's not a lot of great natural reproduction there is some on the larger bodies of water much better but we were talking about whether or not to keep a fish that's over the 20 inch minimum and i always tell clients you know if you get a a 21 incher you, you can legally keep one per person if you really want to keep that fish, go ahead. But when you're getting up in that like 25, 26 inch class, that's a really good fish to put back. And he said, well, you know, it's just put and take, you know, that fish is going to get eaten at some point anywhere. It's just going to die of old age. And I said, and, and, and he said, and because of the natural reproduction being limited, that fish isn't going to produce that many more walleye. Well, the thing is catch and release isn't just about reproduction. It's also about giving somebody else a chance to catch a trophy fish. Mm-hmm. We've had so many trips where, 
you know, I, we've had a, a trophy walleye or a pike or a smallmouth that has very distinct markings on it, and you end up catching it on another trip. So you can't tell me that putting that big fish back didn't have a positive impact. Oh, very true. Yeah, yeah. Getting to see two people, three people smile over the same fish, I, I you know, that, that's a big deal. Absolutely. Let them swim. Now, you, you mentioned there that, that you've guided, uh, well, you're going to be guiding uh, a couple from Iowa on opener. You've guided uh, guys from Iowa in the past. And so I, I didn't realize that, that you uh, had that high quality of, uh, of clients. <laughs> you know, here, here I had read that... Uh, I had read that at one point in time you guided the governor for for opener, but I mean that's not really even the highlight of your career. You've got <laughs> Iowa Iowegians all the time. So you know, there's clients come from a, a, a broad range. You know, I've had clients from overseas, um, from everywhere in the world, and it's so interesting. Everybody has their own story. Everybody's yep. got a story. I've I've guided, like you said, the governor, other dignitaries. I've guided um, movie producers professional athletes really and i'll tell you honestly i don't get excited about that like like the professional athlete thing i'm not a big sports nut and so i've taken out people names that you would probably recognize and i forget their names yeah and and i i don't get my picture taken with them or ask for their autograph or anything like that you know it's just another day and i think to some degree they appreciate that that you know it's not all about them it's not it's just about the day. It's just about fishing and relaxing. Well, and, and, they and that's, that's, that's probably one of the reasons I haven't ever had a jerk in the boat too, is when you're out on the lake, it's pretty difficult to be upset about something. And I've, I've said this for years. When you go out fishing, you've got two choices. You can take all of the world's problems with you out onto the water and meditate on them and solve them. Or you can leave them all on shore. And, and as an angler, you have the choice to do either one. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of like being in an ice cream store. You know, there's there's no one mad in an ice cream store. When you're out fishing, there's no one mad out there. <laughs> Have you ever seen a five-year-old drop their ice cream? Because I, I would dispute that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you, you, you ever, you've never seen Scott drop his ice cream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he, he's over here. Don't let him fool you. He, I've seen him upset in an ice cream store before. I'll eat it off the floor. I'll <laughs> eat it off the floor. <laughs> well, yeah, complain about Rocky it. Rocky Road. <laughs> now, now, how was that guy in the governor? I mean, was that, was, uh, you know, I guess that's got to be quite the honor, right? I mean, you, you get selected uh, for that. Oh, it was a huge honor. Huge like, I don't think anybody's ever done it twice in their lifetime. You, really? you get one crack at it. And, um, you know, that was back in 2013. I had Governor Dayton, and he had never caught a walleye on, in the opening day events ever. Really? Mm. And so there was a, a lot of pressure there, especially from our community. I'd be in the grocery store, and somebody would come up and say, well, you're going to get the governor a walleye this year, right? <laughs> like, the other thing you have to understand is that was the, the year that we had – the latest ice out on record. So we were supposed to embark on, on uh, fish hook Lake. It was still covered with ice. Really? So we had to, you know, make some alternate plans and everything. Um, ultimately that week leading up to it, I, um, you know, I don't know if I can say this on your podcast or not, but um, I pooped my pants at school. <laughs> I tore the ligaments in my left ankle these were separate incidents, by the way. Um, I blew up my engine, my brand new engine, 
Uh, we had a cold front come in. And when I say cold front, I'm talking 35 mile an hour winds and snow. Really? So we had this consistent warm weather and all of a sudden we had this cold front move in and the walleyes were because of this late season, everything, they were kind of, you know, just finishing up spawning and a few residual spawners and everything just moved out. So I, it felt like every turn that I took, I was met with, you know, some type of obstacle. And I just, I kept focused and I kept going, you know, this is my only chance. I can't let this get away from me. And, uh, he, he ended up catching a walleye and the story is much longer than that. It was, uh, uh let's see here. Four, four lines tangled in the trees. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, you know, just, just a lot of different things, but he got his walleye and I felt like I won the world series. Do they put so, your name on a sign when you're entering uh, town? <laughs> our, our, our guide uh, got the governor a walleye. <laughs> no, no, nothing like that. I, I think probably more than anything for me, it was, it was personal yep. that I had oh, this yeah. challenge and I wanted to meet it. Uh, but by the end of the weekend, cause he wanted to go out at midnight and do the traditional thing. Now he was only going to be fishing probably an hour, but the Lieutenant governor was going to be fishing a little bit longer. She really, really wanted to catch a walleye and she didn't. But by the time I, <laughs> well, the previous morning I had been up at three 30 to do media day and then uh, have that, that evening. That's when we go out at midnight. I get back in town at three 30 and I have to be up at 5. AM again. So I didn't go to bed. Right. Yeah. So by the end of the weekend, I had been up for 43 hours straight. With all the with the ligaments in my I was going to say with the poop in your pants and, and the blown motor. I mean, you know, and so it was. He never did clean them pants. <laughs> right, a lot of lot of stress involved with it, but uh, what a what a great experience and and what a great thing for our area too to to showcase that even when we're faced with a year that is a lot of diversity with the weather and a challenge that we're going to have for the rest of our lives in terms of weather, that's not something that's ever going to go away that uh you know the walleye still bit absolutely oh, like, always biting in park rapids yeah well like you said too i mean i mean you had all that adversity and you could have just given up and just you know complained about it and did all that but you just adapted and you just figured out okay this is what we need to do and i mean that's a lot of credit to you know you well the best thing is that i said this is what we need to do and it worked yeah, yeah it always looks good when it works it's like oh well, yes. yeah yep, yep, that's yes. exactly how. i knew it yeah <laughs> last time i was out in these conditions <laughs> yeah <laughs> now jason uh i i feel like we uh we we've got to talk about it uh let, let's talk about your sports show attire uh, you, you know, no one walks into a sports show, uh, with, without noticing you. Uh, and if they don't know you, they go and eat at Buffalo Wild Wings afterwards. And they say, did you see that guy? <laughs> I, I, you know, is that, is that something that you've always done? Or is it just kind of something that's uh, snowballed over time? You just kind of, kind of got to outdo yourself at the last one. Uh, you know, we're talking bright shoes and, and just shiny just, gold pants and yeah. flat yeah, well, bills and. You know, I, I I guess the thing for me, being a kindergarten teacher, is I've never been shy about, you know, putting myself out there. It's pretty hard to embarrass me, I will tell you that. <laughs> if, if we went together and sang karaoke, I would jump up and grab the mic uh, before having a drink. And What were we you know, singing? 
anything i'll take requests it doesn't matter i'm not saying it's going to be good but i'm going to have a good time doing it nice. life is too short not to have fun exactly and so you know at the sports shows you know everybody drives a big flashy boat on the lake so why not show up at the sports show you know looking like you're there to to have a good time and you know at the northwest sports show yeah gold pants light up shoes a billboard hat uh you're at the the biggest ice fishing show on earth people come there and they want to see something special yeah so let's give it to them let's and i will tell you them. this just hold on to your hats <laughs> for this year because i've got a plan jeez <laughs> oh, oh man <laughs> now, now now another thing uh that that i was tipped off to is uh can can we talk about your uh, kindergarten picture from this year absolutely <laughs> let's hear about that I, I have i have a little uh, offshoot of a story about that too that happened today so go good let, let, let's hear it okay well here's the thing so i decided every year we get our staff pictures taken for the yearbook and um you know i just i i like to make people laugh if you think about it laughter is one of the most intense feelings you can have as a human being and it's contagious. Not only that, is it, it, you can think about something that happened 10 years ago and laugh about it. Just like we, we talked about those stories that come out in the boat and at deer camp, that you laugh and you laugh and you laugh. And that happened decades ago. Right. So I decided this year for school pictures, I wanted to leave an imprint. So I, the, the first day that, that they were taking the pictures, I went down and got a standard photo. And I went home and I was disappointed with myself. So I had this fake mustache, and, and it wasn't one of the cheesy fake mustaches. This is something premium ordered from Amazon that is 100% human hair from Bangladesh. <laughs> now, I don't know what part of the human body it came from, but I wasn't going to ask questions. <laughs> and and so I, what I did is I, I put on a mask, and I, I went down to, to the photographer on the second day, and I sat down. And she said, uh, what's your name? And I said, uh, last name's Durham, first name Jason. She goes, oh, oh. I said, I already had my picture taken yesterday. I just decided I wanted to do a retake. And she said, okay. So she's looking at her camera, fiddling with it. And in, the, in that period, I take off my face mask. And she looks up and sees me and says, can you tilt your head just a little this way? <laughs> Hey, you're done. Never even questioned it or anything. That is so if you, if you go on the Nevis School website, nevis.k12.mn.us, and you look through our staff, you can find me with my very fancy mustache. Well, today, today, I still have that mustache in my desk. And today in the first grade, they do a countdown to the end of the year. And today was the letter M. They count down using letters. And M is for mustache. So all these first graders are running around with little fake mustaches on. So I decided I need to get into this game too. Well, I didn't have any of the special wax adhesive to uh, put it on my face. I did have a small bottle of super glue in my desk. Uh oh, God. <laughs> so you're still wearing that mustache right now, aren't well, you? Well, I, you know, I put it on and I remember from uh, you know previously that it had worked pretty good, but I put it on at the end of the day and I could not get this thing off. <laughs> so fortunately I've got stubble from about three days of not shaving and the glue adhered to that. So I actually had to take an exacto knife 
very, very carefully (laughs) cut this off. So right now, because I haven't shaved yet, I have these two dime-shaped circles on my lip where there's no hair. (laughs) I'm not going out in public. That's awesome. But that's great. I mean, you do it, you know, and I'm sure the kids loved it. I'm sure the rest of the staff loved it. I mean, that's just awesome. Well, what what I think of is, you know, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, anybody that taught with me, they open up the yearbook from 2022 and they see that stupid picture of me with that mustache. I guarantee whether I'm alive or not anymore, they're going to laugh. Yep. Now, now this was the same mustache that you wore at Clam Pro Day, right? Yes, it was. So I've, <laughs> I've gotten my use out of it. That It was good because I'll be honest, like I, I, uh, I think it was, it was either Scott Mockentoon or Thane Jensen brought me over to you to, to introduce me and, and, uh, you know, saying that I should get you on the show. And I'll be honest, I thought that that thing was real. I was like, wow, that's, that's badass right there. Like that dude, that dude like really went all out for Clam Pro Day. So here's, here's how that whole thing evolved. And if you guys haven't seen the picture, if the listeners haven't seen the picture, go on my Facebook page or Instagram. Um, it's, it's on there. So what happened is we were going to be cooking out, uh, for, for Clam Pro Day. Clam has a, a Traeger trailer that's got several Traeger grills on it. And I had contacted marketing, you know, a month ahead of time and said, is there anything I can help, help out with at Clam Pro Day? I mean, I, I would write names on, on styrofoam coffee cups with my impeccable teacher handwriting. <laughs> I'll, you know, do this, I'll do that, whatever. And they said, well, could you help out with grilling? So immediately I said, of course if everybody wants to get diarrhea. <laughs> but I said, no, I'm kidding. I can, I can help cook. So immediately I go on Amazon. I order this entire professional chef's outfit, the hat, the, you know, the white coat, everything, and a mustache. So I show up to Clam in this attire. The employees at Clam didn't know it was me. <laughs> so, so finally, Dave Osborne, the owner, he, he sees me and he gets a good chuckle and you know, marketing realizes it's me. And they said, well, we need some help back here in the workroom. So I go back there. Well, there are staff that are peeking into the, into the workroom there. And, and there's this kind of ripple effect going through the building. Did you hear? We, we hired a, a real professional chef for tonight. <laughs> Shipped you know? him in from France. <laughs> well, here's what ultimately happened. Uh, you know, having that partnership with Traeger, Clam had uh, some, like, award-winning competition barbecue chefs there and and it was wild to watch them work oh do you think we should uh you know why don't we why don't we smoke these wings for a bit and then we're let's take them out and let's put the barbecue on there and then let's put them in here and you know do this on this other grill i was just amazed by it my job was that there was this big tupperware bin of meat and it was already rolled up for smash burgers. So it was about the size of a baseball. My job was to take two of these balls of meat at a time and set them on the griddle. That was it. <laughs> that was all. So what you look- after, but I looked at the part. Right. These, these professional chefs, these professional barbecue guys were in cutoff shorts and trucker hats. <laughs> so after everybody had eaten, you wouldn't believe how many people came up to me and said, you really did a good job with that chicken tonight. <laughs> oh man, those burgers were fantastic. And and I just say thank you. Yep. And really, my role was move the meat from point A to point B. <laughs> Everyone's got a so job, you, but you got to do if, it right. If you look the part, 
people are going to think that you know what you're doing. Heck yeah. That's a, that's a classic fake it till you make it story. So <laughs> <laughs> now, now this one here came in uh, from a guy that uh, is going to remain nameless. He, he thought that if I brought it up that, that you might uh, know who told me to ask, but I'm supposed to ask you if you know Rod Oracle. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't know the story on this. I, I have no clue. I was just, just told, told to, ask. to ask that. <laughs> oh, that's a great story. So a buddy of mine, his name's Mike. Uh, Mike is a teacher up in Bemidji and has a cabin in Nevis, and we've been friends forever. Well, he had bought a clam rod that um, he had a, a warranty issue with it. And so I, I talked to um, our warranty department at Clam, Thane Jensen, and I said, Thane, you know, this guy needs a replacement on the rod. And he says, well, he's got two choices. He can either send the broken rod in or he can send me a video of the rod destroyed or a picture of it destroyed. So I talked to my buddy Mike and I said, Mike, you've got this big opportunity here. Uh, you need to like make up this whole storyline and like film this bit on destroying this rod. So he, he dressed up as a ninja, the rod Oracle and somebody comes into frame and they present him with this rod and set it on this cutting board. And he whips out a machete and he said, no, that's not good enough. And then he takes out this hatchet and whipsaws this rod with the hatchet and it just you know, splinters into a bajillion pieces. And that's what he sent in for his warranty video. <laughs> so everybody at Clam loved it so much that now they want him to send in more videos because they need to see, you know, what the Rod Oracle is up to now. I like that's it. That's great. I like it. I think that everybody should flood Thane Jensen's email with videos of them destroying rods. That would be cool. Well, or just videos in general. Just right. videos in general. <laughs> Keep your but again, <laughs> but again, it, it goes back to that whole idea of, you know, life is fun. Life should be laughter. That's so right. Many things we get caught up in that are just, you know, small things that we make into big things. We can make, we can make a day into a bad day really fast. But if you just look at it pragmatically, that that's just one little part. That's one little thing. It's just a problem to solve. It's just like multiplication on a, on a worksheet at school that you solve that one thing and it's not a big deal. If you look at it as a negative thing, it's going to be a negative thing. I think of parents that take their kids out fishing and my dad was the same way, even though he was incredibly patient. You know, I remember hearing him grumble about tangles in the line. And, oh, I just, I just got this untangled and now it's tangled again. If you make every tangle in life a big deal, you know, life is going to feel hard and it's going to feel heavy. But if you take those tangles and go, this is just a small problem, let's get it done and, and move past it, it's going to be a lot easier. Golly, if everyone in the world had that, had that attitude, son of a gun, we'd be, we'd be living in a lot better place. I totally agree. Um, Jason, I, I told you that we would talk for about 30 to 45 minutes, and uh, well, we've, we've gone by that. Matt, do you got any more that, no. that you want to add? Uh, Jason, before we let you go uh, – can you just uh, let the listeners know um, where where they can get a hold of you? You know, do you have any more availabilities this year, or are you pretty well booked up for the open water season? Um, where yeah, so where can questions. they get a hold of you? 
You know, first of all, you can always find me on my cell phone, and that is area code 218-252-2278. And I'll repeat that because I love when clients do that when they leave a message. It's 218-252-2278. And like I say, I'm an open book for anybody. You can reach out to me under no obligation to do a guide trip. If you just want general fishing information, if you're coming up to our area and you go, hey, what lake should I try? Hey, where should I stay? You know, I, I vomit that information. You can also find me, you know, on my website, which is go-fish-guides.com. It's Go Fish Guide Service. If you just searched Park Rapids Area Fishing Guides, my site's going to come up right away. Um, and then, of course, you can find me on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, and you can message me through that, too. Never feel apprehensive about reaching out. You know, I, I like I say, I enjoy not only sharing my information, but... I love when people reach out and say, hey, look at what my kid caught. And they send a picture. I love to get fishing pictures. I love unique stories. It doesn't even have to be a huge fish. Like, you know, a lot of people look at fishing like it's this competition every day. And it's not. It's something we get to enjoy together. So, so yeah, definitely don't hesitate to reach out. You know, uh, Jason, I wasn't even going to bring this up. But uh, I actually, there's a guy here in town that that ran into you out on the water one time and uh you ended up giving him your number and he he makes a few trips a year up up exactly to your area and i know that he texts you every time before he comes up there and he told me because i'm on the fire department with him and he told me that that you always give him great information you've always got time for him so you're not just saying that i know for a fact that no. that 100% that, true. you know it is 100% true his his name's chris bixman from here in town oh, yes you yep. know chris yeah yep. and and you know the the other thing is life gets busy and yep. and as for openings for this for the summer you know my june is pretty much packed i've got just a couple days open but you can always call email text text works really great especially when i'm in the boat for such long days um, and I do have some availability in, in July and August, fall. Uh, you know, it, it just depends on when you want to go, but I'll fish until ice up. But here's the great thing. You know, I, I obviously run a business, but we have, you know, really seven guides in the area and six of us are teachers and the other one's my stepson. And we have always worked so closely together. We're not in competition at all which is a really rare thing to see, but you go to, it doesn't matter if it's Leech Lake or the Brainerd Lakes area or, you know, down to Lake Minnetonka, whatever it is, it's cutthroat. It is guides trying to undercut each other on price or, you know, whatever it is. And sometimes even, you know, words that come out that aren't unkind about their competition. We don't have that. We, we work so closely together that, and we all have the same personalities. So there's even one other guy, his name's Jeremy Anderson, that he and I look alike. People confuse us all the time. They might go out with me one year and him one year, and they'll call us the wrong name. We don't even correct them anymore, yeah. you know? And so so even if I don't have availability, our guides here are absolutely top-notch, outstanding. You know, I would give a, a shout-out to, to one of them, TJ Erickson, who runs TJ's Guide Service. If you want to see some killer videos instructional videos especially if you're starting to use this forward-facing sonar garmin units no way he, i i watched that dude it's tj's fishing on on yes yes <laughs> on youtube like yes he he helped me dial in my live scope settings 
That, exactly. And he even said in there that he was a teacher. That's freaking crazy. <laughs> yeah. So imagine that you watch his videos and you go, well, I still have this question about this. And then you just text him. Yeah. You can do that. That's, that's just what our personalities are like. We're here to help. We want people to learn and we want people to have a good time. So, uh, yeah, we've, we've got an amazing crew here. And like I say, come, come visit the area. Tons of lakes. Uh, you know, the headwaters of the Mississippi. It's always a great family thing to go and experience. But if you're coming to the area, reach out. I'd be glad to help you out. Well, that's awesome, awesome man. Uh, Jason, we, we truly appreciate you uh, taking time out. I know that this is a crazy busy time for you, but, uh, um, man, that, that was a lot of fun, and, and you're, just, you're just a top-notch dude. Well, thanks a lot. Well, I think the world of you guys, and thank you so much, you know, for the opportunity to come on to. So I wish everybody, you know, a safe fishing season throughout the summer, and I hope you catch a big one. Heck yeah. yeah. Awesome. We'll talk to you later, man. Okay, thanks. And that was Jason Durham. I mean, what a cool guy. Absolutely. One of uh, one of the coolest dudes. Uh, um, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to meet Jason a few times, but, uh, uh, you know, there's always been a lot of people around, and this was one of those times, uh, you know, where obviously it's just me and you chatting with him. And uh, he, he's dude's got the stories, and, and dude's just yeah. got uh, – just just a great attitude you know gerald swindle yep. always has pma positive mental attitude and uh i think i think gerald swindle and, and jason durham if they'd ever get together i don't know if the world could handle just that much positivity <laughs> it'd be fun to be in that room and listen to those two guys oh, talk man. and oh, see man. which one could out outfit each other you know which one would come in with a crazier outfit and... oh gosh it i mean because they love it right they love what they do it doesn't matter what you what a person does you just you get around people and you get excited about what they do when they have that excitement and they just love and have that passion for it. So well, and and when somebody shows up wearing gold pants and and lime green sneakers <laughs> and and you know whatever, uh, you, you know, no matter how much you might screw up, they still got the attention. So you know, I mean, <laughs> right. you can loosen up a little bit. Exactly right. Uh, it makes you smile and it makes you like okay, you know, let your guard down a little bit. I mean, if this guy can rock gold pants, I. I I can smile. That's right. <laughs> I can laugh. That's right. Now, uh, talking Gerald Swindle, talking bass fishing, uh, some news out of uh, the South Dakota-Minnesota state line. Big Stone produces a th- dirty 30. Yeah. Pig dirty stone 30. There. Pig Stone. Uh, that is nuts. 31 pounds and a little extra change. I mean. That's a big bag on Lake Fork. Yeah, it is. It is a big down in Florida. I mean, no matter where you go in the country, that's a I mean, we talked about the Okaboji Open being one with 27 pounds. And that's and a here, sack. Yeah. yeah, and here we go all of a sudden a week later to 31 pounds. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I really think with the way that our spring has gone with the temperatures not warming up, I think they hit it right this right. year for those two tournaments where, you know, you could get those pre-spawn females. And if you could, if you could get around an area where there was, you know, more than one or two of them i mean and you got them to bite man yep i mean you talk about a day that's just crazy right can you imagine going like i think second place was like 23 pounds or something like that 24 pounds and that's amazing Same, right i mean you know heck you, yeah just think about like going to the you know going into weigh and you're thinking you know we got a chance at this thing and unless these guys were sandbagging and the last to weigh i mean you're sitting there listening to all these other weights and you're just like oh yeah oh yeah 
But imagine if they were the first team to weigh in. You go up there and it's like 31 pounds. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you're, yeah, you still have 24 pounds and it's nothing to shake a stick at. I mean, it, that is just awesome. You know, that their average fish was better than my personal best. Yeah, that's just so, so just think about that for a second. I mean, they, they got all, five of them. Yeah. God dang, you talk. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, man. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, more in the bass fishing world, a little bit of sad news. Uh, the bass boss, Ray Scott, uh, um, the founder of Bassmaster, uh, I think he was an insurance salesman, uh, uh, you know, and into bass fishing and decided, you know what, I think we ought to make a tournament out of this and, and uh, started the Bassmasters. And uh, uh, I think a year later or yeah. two years later, he started the Bass Angler Sportsman Society. But uh, he passed away uh, this last Sunday night, I believe. Yeah, I believe that's and, what it was. Uh, at his home, I believe, of natural causes. So, yep. um, you know, I guess if you're going to go out, that's the way to go out. But uh, he's, um, he's the guy that's responsible for, you know, modern day bass fishing he really is the way we think about it and the the, the way the things go i mean when had a huge part of it no doubt about it and and uh for what it's worth i i know a lot of our listeners uh you know we we always kid with everyone you know we're we're bass guys we like walleye fishing too we just the, the walleye guys are easy to razz and and because they're always razzing us but uh he, he's he's responsible for tournament bass fishing but let's be honest, he's responsible for tournament walleye fishing. Oh, right. You know, yeah. I mean, yep. it, you know, once once the bass fishing took off, that's what made tournament walleye fishing. You know, yep. all the guys on the NWT, you know, not not that he started that circuit, but I mean, he's the one that saw a vision of, of professional fishing and, and you know, the crappie tours, the, you know, everything. It, it, it directly goes back to him. So, yep. uh. Um, I don't know. Pretty cool. Pretty, well, pretty cool what he did. It ain't pretty cool that he died. Uh, right. Oh, golly, Scott. Freaking have a soul. <laughs> yeah. Have a soul. Wow. Turn that into your good news story yeah, of the week, I, I apologize. Guess. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, it, he, like you said, it, he did a lot, of, a lot of things for this uh, sport of fishing. So No doubt about it. A big loss for everybody. No doubt about it. Uh, last uh, This last weekend, uh, Iowa Great Lakes uh, walleye opener. Yeah, walleye um, weekend was this past weekend. I, I believe I, I, no one got a tagged fish. I did not hear of anybody getting a tagged walleye. Let me see here. I thought for sure uh, I had a little bit of, uh, golly, I thought for sure that I had screenshotted how many guys uh, um, actually signed up. Uh, 2,035 people registered for the uh, uh, walleye weekend contest over there. Um, I believe that that also got you registered for, uh, if, if you didn't get the tag fish during the weekend, it, it's, it's extended then. And I don't know what you get a quarter or an eighth of the money that you would have got yeah, before. It's like a thousand bucks or something. I mean, yeah, better well, than a kick I, in the I was shorts. I going to say only a thousand dollars for catching get you, a fish. That'll get you a, a, maybe two gas tanks of gas. So <laughs> this summer the way it is. Ain't that the truth? That is the truth. But, uh, um, God dang it. I had, oh, another another crazy crazy story uh cory sprangle yeah um, oh you know as, as sad as it is but uh um really kind of gives you uh an idea of how good these guys are with electronics uh i believe it's fox lake uh in wisconsin uh cory sprangle i mean basically one of the best walleye fishermen in the, on the planet um actually i think basically got contacted by the uh 
by the Fox Lake, Wisconsin Police Department, and and they knew that he was going to be in the area dialing in his electronics, and they yeah. told him, uh, "Hey, man, there's a there's a body somewhere in there, so keep your eye out." And he was able to zoom in on it, and uh, I believe he threw threw an anchor down or yeah, you know a buoy, a buoy yeah, down, he put and, a buoy uh, down, and came back the next day with a aqua view and or with an underwater camera and dropped it down there and was able to confirm that he had found the deceased person. Is that not the, I mean, that uh, that's, that's an eerie thing. Like, right. I don't, I couldn't, I would have been like, okay, this is what I believe where I found him on the sonar. It's one thing to see him on the sonar, but to drop a camera down there and see, uh, I would have just left that up to those guys. <laughs> I would have brought them there if they wanted me to. And here's the camera guys. You can look down there, but. I'd, I don't think I could I, see. I wouldn't I have mean, even brought him there. Like right. I'm telling you guys, you see that little blue buoy out there? It's right there. You guys go He's out right there. there. I'm, yeah. I'm bouncing. I'm, uh, whatever. I mean, hats off to Corey. Hats off to the Fox Lake Police Department for, you know, hats off to them for, for understanding. You know what? Maybe marine electronics isn't our strong point. You know, we're good at cuffing and stuffing bad guys, but uh, we're going to leave right. this one to the dude that, uh, you know, is the best in the world at yeah. it. So uh, I mean, These guys can find, you know, 14-inch walleyes on the screen. So They can see. differentiate size. Like, yeah, yeah. They, can, they can find a uh, – but, yeah, God dang it. E- either way, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a neat story for, for what it is, you know, and demonstrating how good they are. But it just really sucks that uh, it it, it's the come. result of a right. – result of a sad story. But uh, – yeah, whatever. You know what? How, you know how we're gonna get the guys cheered up after after a couple sad stories. Good news stories. So this week's good news stories. You got one, or you want me to go first? You can go first. I am gonna go first. Uh, I'm gonna tell all you listeners uh, that how much we appreciate you guys. Last week actually was our biggest week ever uh, with the Midwest Angler Podcast. Uh, we got just shy of four thousand listens uh, in seven days. Um, pretty pretty freaking crazy um uh you know I've, I've i've said it a million times i'll say it once more when me and matt started this we thought golly if we could get 40 people to listen to us a week uh wouldn't that be something and uh uh we beat it we beat 40 yeah by by just a couple and uh it just seems to be more and more dirt bags out there every week yeah, they, they just can't <laughs> help it you know coming they, out of woodwork i yeah. mean all kinds of new dirt bags yep so uh um hats off to you guys we appreciate it uh i think that's uh, a good one to end it on that's fine by me i i just you know brendan lockwood last week i i well, know it wasn't it I wasn't mean, because lockwood i mean it wasn't because of the mouse in the draft it, it was because us too that's that's well, was, of course yeah they didn't even know lockwood was on the show uh i think that mouse is still running <laughs> you know we, we 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 said it last week like there there's no frills with uh with lockwood what you see is what you get but uh um I, I don't know. I personally appreciate that. Uh, you know, whatever. Uh, I, I don't know if it was, if the people were logging on to listen to Lockwood or what. I, I mean, we didn't go out of our way to promote that episode more than, more than any other ones. I, I'm not sure, but, uh, uh, the people came out in droves. Maybe it was because I wrote topless women. <laughs> I guarantee it was. I freaking, yeah. All these dirt bags. Yeah, they're not dirt bags. They're in their mom's basement. Topless. Did somebody say topless I'll women? Listen, I'll, I'll listen to that podcast and just imagine, because there's no video, so I'll just imagine topless yeah. women while listening to that. Oh, my gosh. Dude, they it's listen. the do way, they, it's the way Brennan they, says it. Do you think, do you <laughs> just rolls off his tongue. <laughs> oh, oh, man. man. All right. Yep. 
All right. Well, guys, uh, we appreciate you. Uh, if you're on a platform where you can like, subscribe, uh, um, give us a rating, please do. Uh, it helps us out. But uh, otherwise, we will see you next week on episode 171. Later. Later.